you know, we, we come to the, the word time in a, a holiday, and there's always, as a pastor, there's always the question, you know, do you, do you preach on the subject? And, and you know, you do a, do a Mother's Day message. Well, you do a mother, just a Mother's Day message, and you leave out, you know, those who aren't mothers. And so, but this, this morning, this week, I, rather, I was really praying, Lord, what do you want to say? And, and I want to speak to the moms, but I want to speak to all of us, because I want to talk this morning about a legacy. I want to talk to us about leaving a legacy um, if th- this is a long title for the message, but my, my title this morning for this message would be Live on Purpose to Leave a Legacy with Meaning. And a legacy, uh, we, you know, we might have different ideas. A legacy is really just something that you leave behind. If you, if you look at the synonym uh, for legacy, you'll get inheritance and vice versa. A synonym, for inher- synonym for inheritance, not cinnamon, but synonym for inher- a legacy. inheritance is a legacy. So it's something you're leaving behind. We tend to think of a legacy more than a, a physical inheritance, though. We tend to separate that. An inheritance would be you, you inherit a house, you inherit a car, you inherit somebody's problems, but you um, leave a legacy. And this morning, I want to talk to us about leaving a legacy with meaning. If you were to know with certainty today that within one year, you are going to die, with certainty, I want to ask this question, which five people would you want to invest your time with? That's a pretty heavy question. Kind of kind of somber. And, and But if you knew with certainty you were going to die in one year, which five people in your life would you want to invest your time in? And do you know what you would want to pass on to them? Do you want to know what you would pass on to them? See, this is called living on purpose. Um, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for your family, for your friends, for the people you know. Here is a secret. You will leave a legacy whether you like it or not. Everybody is, is, is going to leave a legacy. It's whether they're going to leave a legacy on purpose or just let life come at them and this leave a legacy of whatever it is. Right now, you, you could probably think of people that you know who, who died, in, died in the past. Maybe they're related to you or not. You can think of the legacy that, that they left behind. I know people, sadly, the legacy they left behind was one of, of abuse and alcohol use, um, not, not being faithful, being a swindler. You know, who, want, who, who, who wakes up, you know, someday in their early 20s and says, you know, in 60 years when I die, I want everyone to think, wow, thank God he's gone. And we never hear those things at the funeral. We never hear those things at the, uh, at the memorial. You actually don't. But have you ever been sitting at a memorial where they're up in front talking about this amazing person who died and leaned over to someone and said, who are they talking about? <laughs> because you know that they're not talking about the person that was in the box. You know, but we don't want to really, we don't want to mention that, of course, and that's the moment. But see, the thing, the truth is, is we will leave a legacy, and it's not just what's said at the memorial, because we have more class than that. We tend to lie at memorials at times if we have to. And I'm kind of being silly, but it's, it's true. Sadly, there's been, there's been memorials that, that I've done that even when we're talking with the family and stuff, they're looking at each other going, what are we going to say about that person? Because they didn't leave a good legacy. Guys, we are all right now building a legacy to leave behind. And, and I want to talk to us this morning, encourage us to begin to leave a legacy on purpose. On purpose. So these are the questions. What type of legacy do you want to leave? 
Proverbs 13.22 says this, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Remember, inheritance is a legacy, and legacy is an inheritance. So let's read that. A good man, a good woman, leaves a legacy for his children's children. See, we don't want to just even think immediately. We want to think down the road at what we are leaving behind. We want to have a legacy follow us. That, that you know, we want to have people say that we were good people, that we were faithful, that we were you know, honest. It, at my funeral, when I'm in the box up at the front, the thing that I want somebody to say in the congregation is this. Look, he's moving! <laughs> But if they can't say that, <laughs> I want to talk about, you know, not, not how good looking I am or anything like that. <laughs> I want to talk about what a good man I was. That's faithful. Not perfect. We're, 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 none, of us are, none of us are perfect. You know, I'll even accept, you know, he really worked hard at, at, at trying to be a good man. Hey, that's okay. I'm a, I'm hope, hopefully, as I get older, I'll have more successes than failures. Amen. You guys ever try to do something? Try to like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be good. I'm gonna try to live a, a, a better life. Well, as as we continue to try, as we don't give up, we'll find that we'll have more successes than failures, and people will see that. People will see whether or not we're the type of people who give up, or if we keep pressing in. There's a guy, Robert Reich, he was a professor, you might remember, he was a labor secretary, I believe, under, I believe under Bill Clinton. And he said this, the central paradox of our time is that most of us are earning more money and living better in material terms than our parents did a quarter century ago, yet by most measures we're working longer and more frantically than before, and the time and energy left for our non-working lives are evaporating. The new economy we're living in brings enormous benefits in terms of wealth and innovation, new chances and choices. But our absorption and keeping up with all of, its, all of it is leading to the erosion of our families, the fragmenting of our communities, and the challenging of keeping our, our own integrity intact. We are in danger of losing the crucial distinction between making a living and making a life. That's true. We, we don't want to make a living. We want to make a life. We want to live a life on purpose and leave a legacy behind. You know, we've all heard the, 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 the story, you've never seen a hearse followed by a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you, but your reputation will absolutely outlive you. Absolutely will outlive you. There's a, a man that we know of. His name is Jonathan Edwards. And there's an interesting story that, that in the uh, 1800s, there was a man who was in, in, working in a prison who he, he started hearing about some of the inmates in th that prison and other prisons around, and he found out that they were related. And there was quite a few inmates that came from the same 
uh, lineage. And so he actually took it upon himself to do a study, and he's tracked down the records, and he started doing a, you know, an Ancestry.com back then and, and, and researched these family members and traced them all back to one person who was pretty much a Cretan themselves, just, just not, not, a, not a real good guy. And in the wake, he had 1,200 people he found, and he did a whole bunch of research, and he found out that some hundred of them had done hard time. Um, 180, I believe, were, were paupers, professional paupers, beggars for money. There was uh, 40 to 50 of them, uh, of women in, the, in their eras, who were known to, to be inappropriate types of women. His lineage was chock full of, of thieves, robbers, prison, um, prostitution, the whole thing. At the same time, in this prison that he did this story, one of the, one of the, the, the guards or, or heads of the prison was a descendant of Jonathan Edwards, who was a re- famous revivalist preacher. And so, at another time, they had, cho- they had traced Jonathan Edwards' lineage back and Jonathan and his wife, they lived by faith. They left a legacy beyond anything that they could have ever imagined. Jonathan Edwards, he, was, uh, he, was, he felt God's call to be a minister. And he and his wife began a, a pastor in a co- small congregation. And the years that followed, he wrote a lot of sermons and prayers. And, and his name is, is known. He was part of the Great Awakening, part of the ones who started the Great Awakening. And they produced 11 children in themselves which is amazing. Sarah, his wife, um, was a part of the ministry. She was a woman of God. I want to read to you some of the descendants of that lineage. They produced 100 missionaries, pastors and theologians, 100 lawyers, a dean of a law school, 80 holders of public office, 66 physicians, a dean of a medical school, 65 professors of colleges and universities, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities, three governors of states, three United States senators, a controller of the United States Treasury, and one vice president of the United States. The Bible says that the sins of the father will be visited to the third and the fourth generation but the blessings also will go that way. What kind of legacy are we leaving for our children? Now, I do believe, I read the Bible, I believe that we can stop those generational curses from before and we can break those things and say, today it stops with me. If you are sitting in this room going, that first list, that was my family, then today in Jesus' name you can break that spiritually, and I believe that you can make a choice to, to begin to leave a different legacy. I want to leave a legacy where it's fruitful, where it's good, where it's full of, of honor and, glory and faith in people. Martin Luther once was asked what he would do if he knew he were going to die tomorrow. And he had a very interesting reply. He simply said, I'd plant a tree. Because the tree would outlast him and live for a long time. We want to live in such a way that our lives, something that the, the part that we play lasts a long time, longer than, than just what we're doing here on this earth. I think we're experiencing in this time that we're living a crisis in generational legacies. There was a, a former Colorado governor, he actually ran for presidency, I think, in. 96, uh, Richard Lamb, some of you might remember him. 
He said something really interesting. He said this, future historians will say the multiple factors that led to the decline of America were led by the failure to replace ourselves with enough stable children born to families with the ability to raise successful children themselves. So did you hear that? See, it's not just about raising kids and doing things. It's, it's raising children who themselves will be able to raise successful families themselves. And, and this nation is sorely lacking in this. But today I'm talking to us as the kingdom of God and to the church of Jesus Christ, the ones who should stand apart from the world and make a difference in this world. And this is what we want to do. We don't want to live to be a legend. We want to live to leave a legacy, in a good legacy. Now, you go into the Word of God in, 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 in just a minute, but I want to talk a little bit about the difference between a reputation and a, and a legacy. A reputation and a legacy. Your reputation is who you're supposed to be. Your legacy is who you are. Your reputation is what you have when you come to a new community. Your legacy is what you leave behind when you go. A reputation is made in a moment. A legacy is built in a lifetime. A single newspaper report or careless gossip can give you your reputation, but a life of toil gives you your legacy. Reputation is what men say about you on your tombstone. Legacy is what your children will live with for the rest of their lives. So right now, we're, on our, we're living our legacy. We're building our legacy. Amen? Amen? A little somber. Somber. This, there's probably some introspection going on, and that's okay. But by the end of today, by the end of this morning, I pray my prayers that we will all say, you know what, I've maybe done the things in the past that were leaving the wrong kind of legacy, but today in Jesus' name. I'm going to begin to change my legacy. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 6 and 7. Paul had a reputation. The Apostle Paul, this is who is writing this in the book of Timothy as you're turning there. Paul, the Apostle Paul had a reputation for being um, a, a punisher and a, a, a prosecutor of the church. He was, in fact, when he first became a Christian, none of the other believers wanted to hang out with him. He had a bad reputation. But as he pressed into the Lord, as he, as he began to leave a different legacy, um, he became the most... Uh, changing of all the apostles he, he transformed the church verse 6 says this Paul says to Timothy I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand now Paul came from a, a good lineage he had done a lot of things but this is what he says in verse 7 I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith Verse 8, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Why? Because Paul says three things. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept 
the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue into this message, I pray that you would touch each and every one of us in here, encourage, challenge us to leave a legacy, to follow in the footsteps of Paul, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, and to keep the faith. God, pray blessing upon this in Jesus' name. Amen. He doesn't talk about his education. He doesn't talk about any of his exploits. He simply says these things fighting the good fight, finishing the race, and keeping the faith. One of the things that I want to point out in finishing this race is that the Bible talks in other places, Paul himself talks about that life is not just a race that you run on your own. It's like a relay race. And you run with other people. And part of a relay team, is, has anyone ever run in a relay team? It's kind of, kind of an interesting thing. You, you, you can be the fastest runner in the world, but if you don't know how to pass off the baton, your team loses. If you drop the baton, you lose. So life, the Christian life, is really like that relay race. We are passing the baton all the time to others who will then run their portion of the race. This race is not about us. It's really a team sport. It's a relay race. And um, this is a great statement of legacy. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Let's talk about number one. Fight the good fight. If you want to leave a uh, legacy that's greater than you, then you have to fight the good fight. You know, we're all fighting a lot of fights in our life, and some of them aren't that good. We need to begin to focus in and fight the good fight. Fight the things that God is calling us to live for. Stand firm. Be clothed in armor and fight and live a spiritual life. God, remember the, the life we live, the Christianity isn't a physical, natural life. It's a spiritual life. If it's just a natural life, then it's just one of many, many good options for people to do that make them feel better about themselves. And you might as well join just a, a self-help group or something that promotes life. But, but no, we, we're spiritual people, so we need to fight the spiritual battle, and we need to understand that each and every day. Ephesians 6.12 Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's spiritual. I tell you, I struggle with this myself. You know, as a pastor, I should be the most spiritual person around, but I struggle with remembering that life is spiritual, and I do what a lot of men do. Give me some things that I can do to fix the problem. And I'll give you some, some options and some choices, and make some good decisions, and we'll help you get out of your, your situation. And, and it's a struggle for me sometimes to go, wait a second, the best thing, the first thing to do is to pray because this, the, the fight that we're fighting is a spiritual battle. It's not a natural battle. I remember one time being with uh, Pastor Jeff and somebody says, you know, we were talking about some different things and they were talking about different things and somebody says, we should pray. And Pastor Jeff, you know, tongue in cheek says, oh no, has it gotten to that? <laughs> oh no, has it gotten to that that we should actually pray? And that's almost sometimes how we live, is that we try all of these other things and we say, man, well, you know, I guess, I guess we'll pray. 
How about this one? Somebody's going through something, they're far away, there's nothing, you know what to do, and so you Facebook this or you tell somebody this well-meaning sentence. There's nothing else I can do, so I'll, I'll just pray for you. I'll just pray for you. Why, why do we say that? Because we forget that life is actually spiritual and that prayer is the most important, powerful thing that we can do because prayer is, is fighting the fight in the spiritual realm that changes things behind the scenes. See, it's because we have hearts that are bound up by the enemy and bound up in sin, and so we need to be people of prayer. Fighting the good fight isn't just trying to do things well. Fighting the good fight is being close to Jesus, being a spiritual person, understanding that our struggle isn't with flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians 6 teaches us that our weapons are, are, are precious, they're powerful, they're in, in, the, the weapons of righteousness are in our left hand and right hand, and they're spiritual weapons. But, you know, in, do we understand that in the spiritual realm, we have to fight to leave a legacy? We have to fight this spiritual battle. It doesn't come easy. You know, we could probably say, a show of hands, we'll do this for fun. By a show of hands, who thinks that this life has been easy? <laughs> no takers? <laughs> right? Right? This life is not easy. And so yet, yet we have called on the King of Kings for salvation. We need to understand that he's not the faraway God who just leaves us here and says, good luck. I'll see you in 100 years when you die, and then we'll go to heaven again. It's all going to be good. He wants to be involved in our life, and he says that he's given us the keys to the kingdom, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Church, the first part of leaving a legacy as a Christian is that we need to, to get this thinking right to understand that we have to fight the good fight. And, and a big part of that, that fight is going to be, be by in, a, in prayer. Another part of it is um, in the Word of God. We need to look into the Word to find out how He wants us to live. Um, there's a couple of things that, that we can tell if we're growing. By reading the Word, we can find out how we're doing. It's the, it's the spiritual dipstick, and it says if you're doing well, if you're walking in the Lord, then you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of your life. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is that when you live in the Spirit and are in a, in a life of prayer, that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, those things will be coming off of your, off of your life, kind of like a fruit tree. And it's, it's part of living in the Spirit, which is living the Spirit-controlled life. You know, it means that we're spending time with God. We want to start off the fight by spending time with God. So we don't want to pr try to become righteous. We want to spend time with Jesus who lives inside of us and then the righteousness will begin to flow out because of our connection with him. Who's ever watched one too many movies with bad language and the next day they find themselves cussing more often? I'm sorry to admit it. Sorry to admit it, right? You know? We, we hang around with, with, with something, you know, uh, the wrong people for a little while. Pretty soon we're saying those things. We're doing things that we wouldn't do. Well, guess what? The opposite is true, too. If you spend time with God, the things of God will begin to come out of your life naturally. You don't have to fake it. That's right. We're in church. Let's put on our Christian language today. Praise God, brother. It's great to see you. Let me just spend time with Jesus. 
And, and those things begin to come off. You know, when I got saved, the first thing that Jesus said to, said to me was not stop cussing. <laughs> but you know, after a while, spending time with him and in the word and with believers, you know, like the cussing kind of went away. You know, negative stinking thinking. You hang around with people and things that are negative and stinking thinking, and you're going to have negative stinking thinking. You spend time with Jesus and his word, and you're going to begin to, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, you're going to be thinking about these things. You listen to a lot of coarse joking. What kind of jokes are you going to tell? So as we fight the good fight, a big part of that is just spending time with Jesus in his word and in prayer and, and inviting him into every moment. You know, even when we're making a decision, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm about to make a decision. I, I just ask that you would help guide me and give me wisdom. And if I'm missing something, help me. Show me what I'm supposed to do in this moment. Fight the good fight continually, continually. Two, we want to finish the race. I've seen a lot of Christians start the race, but they're, they're not finishing it. Now, praise God, they might get back on course. We don't want to just start the race. We want to finish the race. We want to go the long haul. And, and part of the, there's a, few, a number of things we want to do for the long haul, but part of it is that we, we have to really do understand the whole Word of God and not just parts of it. Because you, if you've gotten saved, if you've come to Christ and sat under a teaching that said that God's just going to give you the best life now and that everything should be going well for you, and if it's not, there's something wrong with you, you're, what's going to happen? Well, reality is going to hit you like a ton of bricks, and you're going to walk away from Jesus because it's not true. Well, it's because what they told you wasn't true, but the Bible says, hey, whenever you face, face trials of many kinds, have joy because part of the life. And so to finish the race again, see, we start by prayer. We start in the Word of God. Well, we finish because we understand the Word of God. And it says, you know, we're going to keep finishing it. This morning in our prayer time before worship, we were talking about that a little bit, going, you know, sometimes you just really wake up and you go, what's this all about? I don't know about you, but there's been times in my Christian walk that I still go, God, I'm just checking. Are you really there? Am I the only one who does that? You wouldn't want to admit that. And you, by, by goodness, you're like, the pastor's admitting that? You know, let's change churches. How about let's be real and find out that sometimes we go, man, this has been really tough. And, and, and is this really it? Are you really there? Well, well here's what, what part of that is, is, is we go back into our life. And this is what, why we need to build, uh, we, I've preached this before, we need to build monuments or have the me- remembrance stones. We, 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 we journal, we do things in the past because God has done so much for me. And we see his handprint in the, back of, in the, you know, in the past, but sometimes we're so far up here we forget and we, we become questioning. And we need to go back to those moments where we absolutely knew he was in our life. We knew there's no question how the miracles that you saw, the the way that he helped you and walked you through a situation, there's absolutely no doubt that he is there. You just can't feel him right now. So part of the way of finishing the race is we got to go back sometimes and go, no, I'm on the right race. I'm in the right track. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. And it's hard. Galatians 5 
verse 7. Go with me there. I still sing the song in my head to find the books. Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's really simple, but I'm going to ask this question. And I'm not asking to anyone, anyone specific. That's why I took off my glasses, because now I can't see any of you. <laughs> I know they're still there. There's colorful blobs out in the congregation. You started running well. Who cut in on you? You started the race. Who cut in on you? Is that you this morning? Has somebody cut in on you and, and made you like, get you off track? And you're like, ah, this is what Paul was saying. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You started the race. What happened? Get back. Get up. Start running again. Don't let somebody cut, cut in on you. Let me give you some stuff that, that cuts in on us and dissuades us from running the Christian life. One of the distractions. Distractions come in all the time of running the Christian life. And here, here's two, two of the types of distractions. Wrong things come in and distract us. They're the things that, you know, we're, they're just wrong, but they're coming in and they're just, wow, you know, like, hey, you want to go and hang out at the bar tonight? Woo, that sounds fun. Let's go. And next thing you know, you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong things with the wrong people. Wrong things distract us. You know what else distract us? Good things. Good things, but not God things. Well, I'm going to go plant 47 trees and spend the rest of my life just planting trees and making the universe better. I'm all for recycling. I'm all for saving the forests. I think we should. In fact, I've repented as a Christian for not being aware of those things. And if you think that's weird, what did God say in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve? This whole earth, you take care of it. We did a bad job. And unfortunately, the church was at the front end doing a bad job because for years we just says, we don't need to worry about that. We just need to worry about souls. No, we need to take care of the earth too so that it's around here until Jesus comes back so that, so that we can complete the good work, the right work, the God work. There are great things in life, but they're not all God. Good things get us distracted. We need to fight the good fight the right fight. Walk with him and finish the, rate, the race. Discouragement. Discouragement comes in and, and gets us off track. We get offended. Offense is like something that can cut in on you and deter you and dissuade you from finishing the race. Failure. God, how many times will I have to say I'm sorry for this sin? I failed again. I've done this. I've done that. And why should I even try? Divisions. Divisions set in. Divisions between you and others. Divisions between you and a pastor. You and somebody else in the church. You know how many people have left the church because somebody else in the church hacked them off? But they didn't just leave the church. They left the body of Christ. What? That's like stop, stopping to spend money because one time you got a counterfeit 20. Well, I'm just never going to spend money again. It's all bad. You know, distractions, dissensions, divisions. Sometimes we're divided between God. Deceptions. They come in. Deceptions. One deception. It's all about you. It's all about me. And when things don't go my way, when it's not enough about me, 
I just stop the race. When I can no longer play on the worship team, you know, I don't get my place in the glory in the spotlight. I'm just going to leave that church because it's all about me. Don't let it become all about us. Let it be all about him. I already talked about this one, a deception that will stop people from walking with Christ, from finishing the race, is the deceptive understanding that God wants you to be happy. Jesus Christ did not die for you to be happy. He died for you to be saved. And he will give you joy in the moment, and he will walk with you, but by golly, there's going to be a lot of days you just ain't going to be happy. Now, when we tap into that understanding of who Jesus is and who God is and what he's done for me, I tell you, sometimes that brings some happiness. Brings it, it brings joy always. But there are some days that I just, I know that God loves me and that he died for me and I'm still just not happy. But if I think that that's why he came and I'm not happy, why should I keep on with him? Why should I keep on with him? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we fight the good fight, we finish the race, and we keep the faith. We got to keep the faith all the way from the beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end. That's what we have to do. We have to build up our faith. Faith is, is, is the most important thing because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So we have to learn, and learn even how to build up our faith. Because faith is a tough one. Faith just, it doesn't just magically appear. You say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Make me a new creature. And all of a sudden, hey, I believe everything. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but there's things we just don't always believe or we have a hard time with faith. But we want to keep the faith and build our faith. Keep the faith. Part of that keeping the faith is not just having faith, but keeping the faith, which is the the walk of, of a Christian, the walk of a godly life. Keep that faith. Keep that as an understanding. This is... This is how we live. This is what we do. This is how we pray. This is, this is why we pray, and we keep that faith. You've got to keep doing it day after day after day after day. Reminded of a, of a good friend of mine, Jason Friend. He was just a couple years older than me. He's now a worldwide evangelist, and he preaches all over, uh, he's, you know, all over Latin America, and he had the largest evangelistic crusade ministry in, in South America. Anyways, he was a Big Bear, Big Bear graduate. When he was, I, I think in his late 20s, early 30s, he went to the doctor, and the doctor did some tests on him. He was having some issues, and, and he said, uh, well, you, you, your body makes too much cholesterol, and um, you're going to die. He says, well, that doesn't sound good. He says, well, what can I do? He says, well, if you, if you don't want to die... You, you, you need to eat basically this diet, which is very, very limited. I mean, you have, and you can't not, you can't go outside of this diet. And I mean, and I forget what he eats, but he eats like a bird, and he, and he eats these certain things, and it's pretty, pretty a boring diet. And he says, in addition, he says, you're going to have to do some exercise. You've got to get, you got to pump the blood, and I don't even understand it all. And so from that day, J- Jason Friend simply said, listen, 
if I want to live, leave a legacy for my family, he had kids, he changed his life. And every day he wakes up and he has like Cheerios or something, I don't know. And he runs five miles every day because he wants to live. See, sometimes in life, we just have to make a choice and do it. That, that's not easy for all of us. How do you keep the faith? You wake up in the morning, you make a choice, and you do it. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to go off and dance in those other places because I know that's not what you have for me. I'm going to keep the faith because I'm going to finish the, li- the race. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to fight the good fight. We want to be faithful. And, and we, we know that, that it's not us. See, it's not you that has to do it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. It's Christ that lives in me. So even when we make those decisions, it's not just us getting up the muster, but knowing Christ lives in me and he's going to help me walk this life out. He's going to help me run this race. He's going to help me finish the race and fight the good fight. Pretty simple. We just have to decide, okay, God, it's you and me. We're going to do it. Because I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy that is, is, is one of honor and faith and of godliness. We want to do something different maybe than the legacy that was left for us. Doesn't matter, and I want to encourage you, whatever legacy, if there was a bad legacy that was left for you, just cut that off and say, you know what, that's not my legacy anymore. That will not be me. I'm not going to be the one of the 150 in jail because my ancestors were in jail. No longer. I'm going to leave a different legacy. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to start the new legacy. You know, there was a couple of Olympic athletes who, who had these things that, that, that uh, they, they finished the race. They lived the life of faithfulness. I don't know if you know the story of uh, John Stephen Akari, Aquari, 1968. He was long-distance runner. And early in the race, he fell and he sliced open his knee and, and just really destroyed it. Well, he finished the race an hour later than everyone. That's a long time when you're talking about Olympic runners. An hour later and he comes in and he finished the race battered, bruised, bleeding. He finished. Derek Redmond, that's a little closer. You guys remember Derek Redmond, 1992, 400-meter runner. He had had some injuries in the past, but was all strength and ready to go. They put him back on the team, and he had broken records, and he was gonna—he was one of the ones, surefire, going to win this 400-meter thing. He starts off, and he starts running. And, and, and somewhere after that first bend, and he still had quite a ways to go, he just drops, bang, right in the, watch the video footage, just drops right in lane five, just crumples up, and you could just see, see the, the pain on his face. Well, what happened is, he, I guess he popped his Achilles tendon, and he actually hurt it. And if you've, you've ever done that, there's a tendon back there, it happened to Pastor Jeff, that you can hear it, and people next to you can hear it. It goes snap. And so he, hear, he heard a snap, he goes, what was that? And about three strides later, he just crumples. And, here he, and, and it took a second for the pain, and he says, wait a second, I'm still in the Olympics. He says, I'm going to finish the race. 
So he gets up and he does one of these, you know, and he's just grimacing in the pain and he's barely holding himself and pretty soon this older man comes running out of the stands and, and all the Olympic officials are like, what are you doing? And he pushes, literally he's pushing past them and he comes up next to this other runner and he, he puts his arm around and he puts his, and, and the, the officials are still trying to push him off and he's pushing them off. Well, that man was his father. And he helped limp him all the way across the finish line because Derek himself was saying, Dad, I've got to cross. I've got to just cross the finish line. Obviously, he didn't win, but he finished the race. We want to finish the race. We want to fight the fight. We want to hold on to the faith. Your flesh doesn't want to finish because your flesh doesn't want to leave a legacy because your flesh is all about you. It's all about now. It's all about what makes me feel good and feel good about myself. You want to leave a legacy? Stop listening to your flesh. Follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Now, I want to, I want to encourage you that whatever part of life you're in, it's not too late to start leaving a legacy. You know, one of the hard things about watching Mother's Day videos, there was one I wanted to show, and I'll probably show it next year or whatever, is, is that, that they focus a lot on, like, raising little kids and being a good mom. But I know some of the stories out there, and they go, that wasn't me. I wasn't a good mom. I wasn't a good dad. I have just all regret from the time that I was raising kids and doing that. And you show that, and it's like painful. You can still leave a legacy no matter what you've done. You can change things. I want us, we're going to show a video. It's in there. They just looked at me with horror. <laughs> what? It's just a couple minute video about changing the legacy and living it differently. See, he created it to work in mines and to do things, but it was used in war and people were killing over it. So he had a bad reputation. He was leaving a bad legacy. But he decided to ask, what am I living for? And he changed his legacy. And I think we all know of the Nobel Peace Prize. There's actually five Nobel Prizes, that, and one of them is for peace. It's not too late to say, what am I living for? What kind of a legacy will I leave behind? Alfred didn't want to be known as the merchant of death. What don't you want to be known for that if you died today, Maybe they'd write about you. Change that. Change it. Commit your life to Christ in a new way, saying, I'm going to change the legacy, the, the way I'm living. I want a new legacy, God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank that you are a God of new beginnings, that you are the God who redeems, forgives, brings salvation and new life. God, I pray for us today that each and every one of us would be challenged to leave a legacy of life. To answer the question and live for that, what am I living for? That we would be as, as Paul who said that we fought the good fight, we finished the race, we kept the faith. God, I'd ask forgiveness and, and ask God that you would challenge each and everyone in here to just say, God, forgive me for living a life that's not living a le leaving a legacy for you and of of righteousness but God we commit ourselves afresh today to say we want to leave that legacy in you 
Strengthen us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Encourage and challenge us each and every day to wake up afresh and say, I'm going to do it again today. I'm going to do it again today. Each and every day, we're going to live for you. We're going to fight the fight. We're going to keep the faith. And someday, God, you'll say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest because we finished the race. God, I thank you that you live inside of us and in and through us to make this possible. We commit ourselves to you this day afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.